Have you ever wondered what the city is doing to protect itself from hackers in today's world? Do you know how information technology relates to public safety? Have you ever wondered what GIS stands for and what it is used for? The answers to these questions and more are coming right up. Hi, I'm your host, Mayor Robert Simpson. This is My Meridian City 101 Information Technology Edition, your guide to local government. Let's dive right in and get started. Today, I'm here with Dave Teedy, who is the CIO for the City of Meridian. Dave, uh, you and I have known each other for pretty much the entire time I have been with the City of Meridian, going back to 2007. So I've just get laid, laid the groundwork, but why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them a little bit about your background and what your current role is. My name is Dave Teedy. I'm the Chief Information Officer, or CIO, with the City of Meridian. Uh, I've been with the city for uh, 17 years now. Started out kind of at the ground level as a technician, worked my way quickly up to the infrastructure side of things, and eventually started leading the department. So over that course of time, there's been a lot of change in the city and a lot of change in technology. So it's been a fun ride. Absolutely. And I think when I started with the city, there was maybe three people in IT? There was three people in IT. Yep. And now we're up to 17. Up to 17 people. And I think that just goes to show the evolution of what we're going to be talking about today. You know, the importance of technology and, and what we do and how we do it, um, both because it's more efficient and also because it's just how things are being done today and the resources that are necessary. So let's just talk a little bit about uh, Information Technology Department. You are set up into really two different work groups um, primarily. Why don't you talk a little bit about that and what the roles and functions of the department are? So we are really, uh, the first branch I'll start with, our group is the technical support group. That is comprised of folks that do technical support. That includes, you know, supporting hardware, software, equipment out in the field, and everything you can think of. So when you have a problem with technology, they're the starting point. Uh, the next group we have is our software engineering group. They are the ones that develop software for you know, the various parties throughout the city or departments throughout the city that have needs for software. So um, we'll give you a couple more just to throw you off. Absolutely. So the next one is GIS, our Geographic Information Systems. That is a group that deals with a lot with mapping, but also with data analysis and other needs um, and integrations. And then the next one is our backend infrastructure group, which is really the backside of technology when it comes to the network, storage, servers, application hosting, and whatnot. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about each of those to a certain extent today. And let, but let's start with, with this element. Um, when you talk about those that support out in the field, as well as those that develop software, you know, where, where we are compared to where we were with some things. I'm just going to talk about some specific things. I'd love for you to touch on all those that make sense because it really showcases what's going on in the department. We've talked about Excella that's down in our community development department. Uh, I don't think we've really talked about the, the systems that have been done in the police department, but you guys have created some great things for them to do their work. We've talked in, about SCADA uh, in our public works department. Um, and, and then just generally the deployment of infrastructure that's going on right now with the laying of fiber to several of our facilities. Talk about how, you, how this has really changed and evolved over time and, and how you see information technologies uh, help in providing the support to our departments. So 
over the last 15 years, there's been a huge evolution as far as technology and information and what is seen and used day to day, right? And it affects how we do business in the city everywhere across the city. A good example is our public safety side, right? So our law enforcement side, traditionally, 15 years ago, they had computers in their vehicles and would use those to run plates or run people as use cases came up. Now, they actually are dispatched by similar equipment in their vehicles. So when a call comes in, they actually use their location information to say, okay, I know an officer is close here. He's not on a call. He can get there faster than anyone else. So I'm going to send that officer to your call so that you can get a response quicker. Um, just one example of how in public safety, uh, we have helped them become more efficient and effective at doing their jobs and responding to citizens' needs. Um, Another good example, um, on the software development side of things, I will also go into the public safety side of things here. So we have written an in-house report writing system for law enforcement, and that's been in place for a number of years now, but we've continued to add on and develop new features for that software. And it's to the point now where when a report is written and approved by the supervisor and then by records, it actually goes straight to prosecution over at either Ada County or City of Boise for prosecution services, and they can pull up the information at their fingertips directly instead of having to wait, you know, for delays caused by sending it over mail or sending media, you know, through postage or whatnot. And it allows them to be a lot more efficient in their job and also help make sure that we're keeping the public safe by getting, you know, problems dealt with or challenges dealt with in a more timely fashion. So, again, another good example of how it makes our employees more efficient. And you mentioned timely, but I've also heard this is also real time. So if one officer has an engagement with someone at that moment, uh, another officer, if they were to engage that same person 15 minutes later, the system would have told them, hey, we just talked to this person about what they were doing. That is correct. Yeah, and, and that, that just goes to the, the great efforts of this, this collaboration that exists between the police department and your department. I know that's really what you do with a lot of these with all city departments, you really right. collaborate to help them meet their needs. Um, another one we talked about, Excella. I mean, that's been a major undertaking for the city to try to bring stuff available to the to the development community and to the users in the process for using our building services. Absolutely. Uh, some of the recent changes there have been not only can people go and apply for their permits in various different um, things that they're after, including scheduling inspections, but they can also go and upload their plans for us to review those plans electronically, which again provides a much quicker turnaround time for our customers in the development community, which is pretty cool. And you guys don't do, you don't go create all this stuff, but it's really upon you to make sure it works. Right. We do not create it all. We create some of it, but yes, we, we are on the hook for making sure it all talks seamlessly and is as efficient as it can be. And I'm sure that's easy every day. Constant challenges every day, but that's okay. <laughs> that's what we're here for. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I know uh, one of the things that there's a lot of conversation about is, is fiber or um, high-speed broadband out to the community. Uh, what role do you all play in that? And, and maybe where, what do you currently see as the standard in the city of Meridian? I'll cover, first of all, kind of where broadband's going and where we see things going in Meridian. So there's been a lot of talk about broadband and how broadband across the nation, but specifically in Idaho, is not necessarily up to par with where we think it should be, right? And that 
when I say we think it should be, that's a wide variety of people, but it's really a worldwide thing. The internet is everywhere and the United States in general, but Idaho specifically is behind the curve a little bit there. So as we have taken a look at that, we have found that bringing another provider into the area has definitely made a huge difference on the service availability and affordability that is available in Meridian, which is fantastic. But we've also realized that there are opportunities to improve that even further. So we have looked at grant options. We have worked with the city of Boise and Ada County to help develop a survey that will help give more information about where those pockets are that maybe don't have the service level or the affordability that they need so that we can look at options on how to address those and improve those services. One of the interesting things about, uh, we'll just call it fiber or broadband out in the community is what you're talking about, competition. Com- competition can drive prices. But competition also creates problems in terms of you don't always know where the infrastructure is. You know, it's it's not shared in maybe the way that sometimes we would like it to be shared, um, but it is being deployed into Meridian. I think that's really kind of the big thing is we we hear a lot of communities, uh, say, to our north who are really trying to get it out in areas where, you know, they're further spread out. They're trying to get it to their homes. But Meridian being a younger, newer community, uh, we really have been fortunate to have a lot of broadband deployed into our subdivisions as they've been built over time. Yes, we have. And re- very affordable broadband options too, which is fantastic. And I think we'll continue to see that and maybe even see some other diverse options as far as you know, competitive options. Absolutely. But we also work with our partners here in Ada County. You know, we'll, we'll talk to our listeners about some of that, our partners in the future but really, it's a diverse group that you and your team work with to try to get fiber for the city deployed to our locations. Talk a little bit about that. So, yes, we have a goal of having fiber to city facilities as it key to um, making services, technology services available to our you know employees and in turn to our citizens in many cases. And we have worked with a number of partners over the years, including Syringa Networks, who has partnered with us to deploy fiber to many of our city locations, uh, including Fatbeam, who we've recently partnered with on a couple of different opportunities, including ACHD, who has been a fantastic partner in allowing us to use their conduit and fiber to bring connectivity to city facilities. So that's been fantastic. We've also had great partnership with the city of Boise and Ada County, as they've also done some joint projects with us and have helped us kind of move forward with some of the different studies and other areas of interest that we're, you know, would like to consider. And where we can, we want to be cost effective because um, it's expensive to put to put fiber into the ground. You want to give our listeners just an idea about uh, per mile cost the, that you're seeing if we were to put it in and own it? It varies a lot depending on the area and what's already in the ground and the different requirements for permitting and whatnot but it can be as low as $150,000 per mile all the way up to three three fifty. It's pretty insane. So I will say that one thing that I am impressed with recently is ITDs and their ITDs desire to do a dig once policy and try to make that uh, easier for agencies moving forward to get things in the ground, hopefully at the same time and working together in partnerships. Because I think that'll have a real impact and we're hoping that ACHD will move that way as well. Yeah, it, it, I think it's got great long-term, but also has short-term impacts where sometimes we've got to come up with money quickly if we want to be part of that. Otherwise, we get left out of it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. So those are so those are some of the challenges that I think the municipalities have when it comes to deploying or connecting our our facilities. And yes, it's great that we are able to go build our police and fire stations, but they're not connected with fiber. There's certain things that make it easier for them to do their job, which are a lot more work for your team to try to make that happen, whether it's trying to get that aerial connection or something or just the, the time. You know, the it takes a little longer to get things over the air than it can through fiber and other means. Absolutely. And there, one thing we do like about fiber is it's a pretty long-term technology that allows us to really leverage that for, you know, kind of the future as opposed to a lot of wireless technologies tend to run into problems, whether that's interference and need to be changed out on a regular basis, as you can see, even with cellular, with them moving from 3G to 4G to 5G now. Let's turn to the forward-facing side of your department. You know, one of the things that you all do that the community gets to see is the website. I, I mean, that's we, we uh, used to call that the mothership. So it's where we house uh, all the information, where, where the residents come to be able to access really whatever they want related to that We've gone through several versions of our website, front-end, back-end, uh, content from that standpoint, and we're even getting ready to do another version that will, will come out sometime probably within the next six months. Talk to us a little bit about, about the importance of that and, and how your team works on that and what they're trying to do for the community through that process. Okay, I can do that. So. We are, as you mentioned, working on yet another iteration of the website. We're definitely trying to make sure that it's more modern, gives a look and feel that is, again, closer to home with Meridian, um, but also something that's more accessible and easier for people to use. Uh, that applies not just from, uh, you know, hey, I want to access this website on a mobile device, but it also applies with things like, well, we also want to make sure that it is accessible for people that, you know, have disabilities or other things. So that's also a really cool change in the system. Um, the goal of our website, and I would say all the services that we provide online, is to really give people a portal where they can get all the information they need, you know, as citizens in Meridian. And that includes, hey, if I want to know where to go to find a job at the city, or if I need to pay my utility bill, or I want to apply for a new fence permit, all that information is contained out there and is something that we try to make easier for people to find and use and to be able to do what they need to do without having to worry about coming down to City Hall all the time to you know, get the services they need. So it's pretty fantastic. And we have continued to add new things on regularly. Um, I mentioned earlier the plan review system. That's one that's part of community development. That's a pretty new addition. Um, we've done some cool things with various forms that we have on the website, making them more accessible, easier to use, also more mobile friendly. Um, we're working on another project right now with the clerk's office where we're going to revamp their boards and commission software. Again, make it easier for people to use. There's just a lot going on there. And we have some really talented people that, that help us with the website and all the different services that we want out there. I mean, you take the all these different software programs that exist in various functions from each department, and then you try to integrate that forward-facing uh, part of that software where the community can interact with it, see what's going on, um, keep it looking like the the rest of the website, the the brand of the city. Uh, that that's got to be very challenging, and you, you've always had some talented people in there. And we got another one right now, and uh, I'm excited to see what this new version looks like when it rolls out. I am too. It'll be fantastic. One of the things that uh, 
I think we're going to see more of, and it was great when, when we recently did our new city council districts. One element that was really uh, highlighted, I think, of that is what we'll call the GIS department in some, in some of that role. Talk a little bit about GIS and, and, and what it is and maybe where you see it going long term. So GIS, as mentioned earlier, is Geographic Information Systems, and there's a wide variety of things that GIS enables city employees as well as citizens to do. So a good example is the council district's map that you had just brought up. So that is something that was developed within our enterprise GIS system and is available for our citizens to go and see and look up, you know, their address and find what district they're in and who their council member, you know, that's assigned that district is. So that's pretty cool. Uh, We also have other things on the city website that are GIS-centric, that are housed in our GIS system. For example, we have parks amenities out there. You can go see, and it's visually displayed. So a lot of people hear GIS, and they think maps, and it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, Realistically, GIS is a tool for a lot of people to visualize information, right, in a very dynamic way that is spatial, so that has some kind of spatial component to it. Some of the other things that we do that are really cool with GIS is we have developed a system that allows us to do vehicle location tracking. So we can go and see, you know, where city fleets are at any given time. And from there, we can do all sorts of cool things on the law enforcement side. We can do things with, you know, again, having people go out to where they're closest to to deal with the service issue. We have that on pretty much every city vehicle at this point, with a few exceptions. So that's been pretty fantastic. And it... again, is a real-time lookup system. So you can get historical information, but you can also see where things are real-time and be able to pull up, you know, for our law enforcement and see where all my vehicles at when there's an incident. There's a lot of power um, in that type of system. So that's pretty cool. Our public works department uses GIS very heavily in the work they do. And a big part of that is because water and sewer infrastructure is typically in the ground, right? And so it comes down to we need to make sure we know where these assets are and we track them and we, you know, are able to see them visually in some form or fashion. So GIS allows us to store all that information and display it visually. We also can run modeling software against that to say, where do we need to go? How do we need to develop this part of, you know, the water or sewer system so that we have services available where they need to be? So that's all part of GIS and it is essential to what they do in their jobs with planning for our water and sewer infrastructure. So, Well, I, I know that we've um, experienced going in and digging up old uh, sewer lines and, and then coming across pieces of even older sewer lines from that. And I can guarantee you that they probably wish they had GIS back in the day. And hopefully moving forward, it, it will help prevent those things from, from, from occurring um, for future public works department. So one of the things that was really awesome was during the pandemic. You know, we here we were, we were having everyone stay home, we were trying to keep city council moving forward, but we want to have the public involved. Um, you and I had talked, you know, for several years about how we really can try to bring, you know, allow remote capabilities into our city council meetings. And, you know, technology was always still you know, one thing just didn't make it work. But during the pandemic, um, w- with a few more dollars and a little bit of time, 
we were able to make it work. And I'd, I'd really like to first say thank you to you and your team for helping make the current system we have today, which is really a, a dual way that we hold city council from those in person to those that are uh, remote. Talk a little bit about that and, and the efforts and challenges and where you, if you see it even changing from what you know. So when we first got into that situation with the pandemic and trying to figure out how to make things work, we ran into a lot of challenges. We didn't have the right technology. We didn't have the right knowledge how to deploy that technology in a correct manner. And everyone was trying to figure it out because everyone needed to do it, right? It was across the whole world. It was interesting to hear other agencies and what they had done, but we could not find something that we're like, this is what we need to do. This makes the most sense. So we started heading down the road of approaching the technology from a Zoom standpoint. So we ended up using Zoom and found that if we used the Zoom webinar component, that we could actually make a full, full meeting work in a fashion that wasn't wide open, didn't present some of the security challenges or risks that were happening in the world at the time. Um, but then on the flip side, we had to figure out how to integrate the room with that technology. So we had ideas on how to do that. Do that. We ended up working with a partner to make that happen. And at the end of the day, it proved really effective. I will have to say, though, um, it would not have happened without the city clerk's office. They stepped up and, you know, kind of managed the meeting, managed the technology during the meetings. Because at the end of the day, even though the technology is there, there's a lot to make it all work and mesh together, especially when you're talking about, you know, participating virtually in the room and then also doing a live stream available for people that don't necessarily want to participate but want to view it at any given time. So, Well, I really appreciate you bringing up that, that about the clerks because you're, you're right. You know, they're, they're doing a yeoman's work uh, to make it happen live in that time stand. Um, you all have been great for several years. I, I'd like to think that we were one of the first that was really started streaming our city council meetings, at least in the state of Idaho. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure we were the first ones up and running, you know, with this ability to take remote testimony. I know the legislature was working on it. Their exp system was a lot more expensive than our system, but we were able to, to, to make adjustments and figure it out. And I think it's just really opened up the ability for people to, uh, participate, engage with local government, and that's really one of the benefits of technology. Sometimes I know you guys have challenges that the, it doesn't always work the way we want it to work, and it takes time and effort to get it back up and running, um, but it's at least something that's available that wasn't there 15 years ago or 10 is, years ago. And it's a great service to offer our community know, to know that they can participate even when they can't necessarily be right there, so that's fantastic. Yeah, well, thank you for doing that. Um, let, let, let's end talking about security. I, I mean, this has been one of those interesting things for, for communities, um, public entities, you know, hackers, you know, pe people holding cities and communities hostage uh, for, for money for their data. Um, I know we don't want to give away trade secrets about things, but how is this impacting the work that you and your team are doing day in and day out? Well, I can tell you that Security or information security has definitely been something that's always on our mind. It's always something that we try to take into consideration when we're deploying any new technology, when we're working with employees. Um, but over the last couple of years, it's become even more of a critical factor in all that we do. Um, I think a lot of that changed with the pandemic and a lot of people going remote. The what I'll call bad actors would find, you know, hey, look, 
I have a much wider target audience. And so they took that opportunity to try to, you know, make some easy money off of um, unsuspecting people. So it's been a, a big change and it's definitely something that we focus on a lot now. So I will say there is a lot when it comes to information security and what we do at the city to help protect our systems and our citizens' information because we house a lot of information about city, you know, the city and even our citizens. So we take that very seriously as stewards of that data and we want to make sure that they have their rights to privacy and other things protected and that information is protected. So um, we typically try to use, I should say, we, we use industry best practices when it comes to the different technical administrative and security controls that we put into place. But we also take into account the human factor because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how much technology we have to protect information if the human factor or just any person can, you know, circumvent that by making a mistake. So we take very seriously helping to make sure that our employees are trained and they know what to look for as far as those signs of something malicious going on. Um, probably the biggest target or the biggest areas where that comes through right now is via email. So we do a lot of protecting our employees in that sense as far as email that comes through with you know, malicious links or attachments or other things. But we also make sure that they have training on knowing what to be aware of. What are those red flags that they should be looking for so that they, they can be aware not to make or take those steps that may lead to something, you know, a data breach or ransomware or something like that. So that I think has been critical. Well, I think, I think that, that, that showcases a few of the things that, you know, the things you mentioned are really applicable to everybody in society. Yeah. You know, while governments may have more money or more information, anybody in society can be susceptible to security, hackers, malware, um, if you just want to take a second, you know, if someone's listening, they're like, oh, what, what is this? What would you tell someone? What's the best way that they can protect themselves? Or where's a resource you could send them to so that our residents can, can learn more to keep their systems safe in their home? So there's a lot. I'll start with the second part first. There's a lot of online resources available about cybersecurity and how to protect yourself. Um, SANS.org is a really good resource that has a lot of free information for just regular you know, everyday people. Um, but there's a lot of other sites if you just do a Google search on, you know, um, cybersecurity and how I can protect myself. There's a lot of good resources. The CISA.gov also has a lot of good resources. That's a federal agency that deals with cybersecurity and critical infrastructure. And so they have great resources. They're usually putting out information on a monthly basis. And in fact, they're, they're heading up the cybersecurity initiative October Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And that is every month of, or every October every year. So kind of cool. In general, my advice would be to, you know, don't, don't shy away from using the internet. The internet is generally safe as long as you're following good practices. So things like, you know, making sure you're going to safe sites, making sure that you're using strong, unique passwords. You're not sharing, using the same password across multiple sites. Use a password manager if you can. It helps with trying to remember all those different passwords. We can all, <laughs> it's, it's really hard to remember if you have a lot of them. And then using multi-factor authentication. Those are some basic things that everybody can do to help protect themselves and their online presence. 
Um, and then just use good habits in general when it comes to computers, right? So maybe don't click on links that say you've won a million dollars. Um, you know, some some of those basic things in, in yep. email. While we all wish we did win that million dollars, I think that they'll notify you generally some well, some different way than just via email. Absolutely. Dave, I want to say thank you for joining us today and giving us an overview of the City of Meridian IT department. You guys are doing fabulous work. Thank you to the Meridian Library for use of the Unbound Recording Studio here in downtown Meridian. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I'll catch you next time on My Meridian. 